So um, over these last few weeks, we've taken time to, to perhaps either for the first time or in the journey of our life, realize that God is omnipotent. And you think, what, what is that? I've never heard that word before. Well, it's a Latin word. Um, I'm not really into my Latin. I'm going to give you a few more Latin words a little bit later. But um, it, it, it means that God is almighty, that he is all-powerful, um, that basically he can do whatever he wants to do because he's God. Um, and, and, and I guess we've been seeing that over the last uh, seven weeks. Um, I want to go to the scripture if you've got your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter, chapter 3 and verse 20. I'm going to read it from the translation that I have been reading it from, and then I'm going to read it from my Bible as well. So Ephesians 3.20, it says this, Never doubt God's mighty power. See, that's really hard sometimes when you are going through stuff. See, I, I'm, not, I'm not one of these pastors or preachers that it's all rosy in the garden. Nothing bad ever happens to those who, who are God's people. No, though, bad, bad things happen to good people. But here it says, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. See, God has a master plan. He has a, a way of being able to turn negative things into positive ways. He can turn all things for the good of those who love him. It doesn't say for those who don't. It says he has the power to change all things for those who love him. And I think there's an incredible key here. But here it says, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and to accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely. Say that word with me. Infinitely. That's a big word, isn't it? It just sort of keeps going. It doesn't, it doesn't ever stop. Infinitely more than your greatest request your most unbelievable dream and exceed your wildest imaginations. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Three, Ephesians 3.20 traditionally would say this in the King James, New King James, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. The power of God at work in you. See, it's only small thinking that limits the power of God. When we begin to, to see God and all his power and all his wonder and all his splendor, then we begin to experience the power of God beginning to work through our lives. And we're going to break down this simple passage. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that works in us. When you think one verse in all of that, but wow, what a verse. What a verse. So the first thing we need to recognize is this. God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and everywhere present. See, if, you, if we don't get that as a foundation, we'll never really experience the fullness of who God is. He's known by these three Latin words, omnipotence, the all-powerful one, omniscience, and omnipresence. If you want to know, if you want to know what, who God is, what God is, what God can do, how he is in our life, what he is in the entire universe, it comes in summed up in those three words. Omnipotent, omniscient, 
and omnipresent. So I'm going to break these down very briefly for you. Omnipotence, we've been looking at it for weeks and weeks. It means all-powerful. God is having supreme power. There is nothing too big, nothing too difficult, no promise that he can't fulfill, no prayer that he can't answer. There is absolutely nothing beyond God's ability. God has all power over wind and water, gravity, physics. God's power is infinite and limitless. I thank, I'm so thankful that we serve that kind of a God. He's not the kind of God that you can make a, 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 a carven image and set him up there and say, that's my God. He's not some sort of um, man-made wooden image or a stone image. He's not that. You know, one reason why we don't have a crucifix, but we don't worship an image. We worship a living God. We worship a risen Jesus. We recognize he died upon a cross, but he didn't stay upon a cross. He is the living God who now lives and reigns in our hearts. Omniscience means he is all-knowing. You think, you think to yourself, you can hide things from God? No, you can't. None of us can. He, can, he knows all things. God is all-knowing. All you know, I guess I could ask this question. I don't know if anyone would answer. Do you class yourself as being reasonably intelligent? Let, let me see your hand. Let me see if your hand. If you think you're reasonably intelligent, there's a few people in the room. Okay, okay. Let's let's go down this road. Who got GCSEs or CSEs in school? I guess that makes you reasonably intelligent. There's a few people in the room that surprised me. I thought you may have had a GCSE or a CSE or... But how about, how about uh, let's go O-level. How many, how many got O-levels? <laughs> I'll best keep my hand down, so I'll keep it up the whole way through and you won't believe me. Hello, precious. Who, who, who got an A-level? There are some intelligent people in the room. Okay, who got a doctorate? Oh, well, that's, that's, that's my level of intelligence. <laughs> who, 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 no one got a doctorate in the room. Okay, so there is a level of our intelligence which is pretty good. Now, let's bring all our intelligence together. All right? Can you imagine how intelligent we would be if we brought that all together? We would have people who know about computers. Anyone in the room know about computers? There's a few people. Charlie worked on them all his life, pretty much. I think he created the computer. <laughs> uh, so we have Charlie and a few others who know their computers. Okay, so uh, mechanics. We've got a few mechanics in the room. We know, don't know all there is to know about cars, but you know, we've got a few car mechanics in the room. Plumbers, we, you know, we've got a few, few technicians, a few um, uh, accountants. Any accountants in the room know about money? We, we, we need that. So we, we're, we're gaining intelligence. Bank, yeah. <laughs> we're gaining intelligence here. We're growing in our capacity. Let's draw all of that knowledge together. Biochemistry. Sorry, no, what are you? Microbiologist, there we go, okay. So we've got a microbiologist in the room. Anybody else want to shout out what you are? Mums, dads. I'll tell you, you need a degree in those things sometimes. 
Okay, so we pull all that knowledge together and we don't scratch the surface of God's knowledge. Let's take the whole of gospel. Okay, that's still not going to do much, is it? Okay, <laughs> that's not an insult to gospelterians. I am one of those. Let's go Fareham and Portsmouth and, and the surrounding region. You pull, the, pull England, you pull Europe, you pull the world together in all our collective knowledge, and we still will not get near to the all, all-knowing God. Why? Because he is omniscient. He knows all things. See, we limit God. We, we box God into our, our mental capacity. This really is how big God is. Or maybe he's that big, but he's well beyond anything that we can imagine. God is all, all-knowing in the sense that he is aware of the past. He is aware of our present. And he is aware of all things that are yet to come in the future. Why? Because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, as the Bible says. Nothing takes him by surprise. That mistake that you made, that temptation that you fell into, that, that, that problem that you can't fix, he already knew and wasn't surprised. He has total knowledge. I guess, you know, you, I think the most intelligent person in the entire world has an IQ, I think it was 138. But God exceeds. And, and that, I think, I, think the, I, th- I, I think I heard it said, you take the top 100 brains of the world and they do not come to some more than 10% of knowledge. You think this is... Ins- and yet God is all-knowing. All, all-knowing is the God in whom we serve. He knows all there is to know and all that can be known. He's omnipresent. He is all-present. You know, I didn't make these words up. I didn't go to the dictionary and find out who or what. Did, what? These are the Latin words for almighty God of who he is. This means he is capable of being everywhere at the same time. It means his divine presence encompasses the whole universe. There is no location where he does not inhabit. That's why he's here today, just like he is in the church up the road, and just like he would be when you were at home. God is here. God is in this place. He is here right now, and he wants to reveal his love and his goodness to each and every one of us. It's amazing that God would come and meet with a bunch of people here in Bridgemary in the middle of a car park. But this is the God in whom we serve. This means that God is more powerful than anything or anyone else in the entire universe. In fact, he created the entire universes. He's present everywhere at the same time, and he knows everything there is to know. Every single one of us in this room, unless that is the foundation in which we come, the foundation in which we believe, the foundation upon which the whole word is based, we will never fully realize how big our God is 
I guess we will never fully understand that until we get to heaven. But we will always be limiting who God is unless we begin to release who he is over our life by declaring who he is according to his word. I believe it should give every one of us courage. It should give every one of us that desire and that ability to know that no matter what the problem or how big the problem may be, God is able to remove the mountain from off our life. No matter how big the giant or the issue is before us, our God in whom we serve is able to defeat the giants that are before us. That may be a giant of addiction, a giant of temptation, a giant that just keeps on getting in the way. But God can set us free and he can keep us free. There is nothing that he cannot do and there is nothing he will do that will cause us harm. God is a good Good God. Over the last couple of weeks, we've looked at he created all things. He created the laws of nature. He holds the universe, the Bible says, in the span of his hand. How big is our God? He is all-powerful, all-sovereign, and almighty. And yet he also holds the forces of the universe together. I love that message. If you've not listened to that message, go back and listen to to when, when I spoke about the planets and the stars and the solar system. It just was so good. And yet this same God who's omniscient, omnipresent and omnipotent reveals himself to us as saviour, as friend, as the one who sticks closer than a brother. He reveals himself as the one who saves us, the one who redeems us, the one who's adopted us into his family, into the household of faith. And he's the same one who turns around and says, when you pray, call me father. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, we could stay at this place and say, oh, he's almighty. He's, he's awesome. He's, he's just full of splendor. And he could always be that God that's out there, beyond reach, beyond touch, beyond human comprehension. But he said, no, when you pray, pray our Father. Or, as a literal translation, Daddy God. Because what God wants from you and from me isn't just our awe and wonder. He wants relationship with each and every one of us. He wants us to walk with him, to know him, and to understand his love for each one of us. Our second thought is this. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond our greatest request. You know, what is the biggest thing that you've ever asked God? During COVID, um, when the first, um, first initial weeks, we were praying for certain individuals in this room who we believe God brought them through the darkest hours of their life. It says here, exceedingly abundantly above and beyond our greatest request. Mark, you were in that hospital for 13 weeks in a coma. But God, I believe with all my heart, and I believe, Matt, that you had a word that I believe that you believe God gave you to pass to your dad. That word 
reveal God's love for you. It was an amazing time. I remember as a church praying for you during that journey and for others who encountered the the miraculous hand of God upon their life. How much more can God do? A little more than our biggest prayer? Much more than our biggest prayer? You know, the simple prayers that that the little ones can pray. Never doubt the power of your children when they pray. Isn't that right, sweetie? Yes. Never doubt the power of prayer. When Gracie was born, she was born at how many weeks, Jen? 33 weeks. She was born with a hole in her heart, a tube that leads from her heart to her lung that's too small, and the flaps that release the blood to her heart a weak and not moving. You wouldn't believe this little one had all those little things, or big things, wrong with her. As she charges around life, full of the, the, the life, I believe, of God that runs through her. But God, in the journey, never underestimate the prayers of your children. Never underestimate. When, when you are fearful of asking God something big, don't be. Because it's only big to you. It's not big to him. It's not big to him. Why? Because he can do immeasurably and infinitely more. In fact, it cannot even be measured. Infinite, 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 can't be measured. See, Paul in the Bible expected the church at Ephesus to know these things. He expected them to know this powerful truth. And I'm going to read this because we all need to hear this. The church at Ephesus should have understood, and I believe they grasp it, that God answers prayer, or God answers to prayer, never hinge on his ability, but on his will. There is nothing too hard for God. Prayer hinges on whether it's his will or not. When we know his will, we know we have the prayers that we prayed. That's as simple as that. And I'm going to show you in a couple of scriptures. See, that's why I'm encouraging you. Take the limits off of God. John chapter 1, uh, sorry, 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. It says this. This is the remarkable degree of confidence which we as believers are entitled to have before him. Don't you like the way that's worded? That is just so good. When it comes down to prayer and praying, if you want to know what, how to pray or how to pray in line with God's will, you pray his word. Whenever you pray his word, you're praying his will. This is the, the, the New and the Old Testament. His last will and testament, his word. When you pray his word, you pray his will. You pray his will, your prayers will be answered. This is the remarkable confidence which we as believers are entitled to have before him. That if we ask anything according to his will, that is consistent with his plan and purpose, he hears us. You have the ear of God when you pray his will. When you pray according to his will and his purpose. When you pray according to his word. 
This is just so amazing. That's why he answers prayer beyond your expectation. Our third thought is this. I've only got four, so I've got this one and the next one. It goes on in Ephesians 3.20. It says, above all we ask or imagine and beyond our most unbelievable dreams and exceeds our wildest imaginations, he will outdo them all. How often do you and I limit God? See, we all do. Because at times we go through stuff or we struggle with things and, and we begin to limit what God can do. But once we take off those limits, once we say, God, we recognize your kingdom, that you are, on, you are the king of the kingdom and you can do anything according to your word. How often, though, do we limit through our unbelief? They did in the Bible times. And we still do today. Matthew 13, verse 58 says this. Now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. He still did some mighty works, but he didn't do as many as he could have done. I guess the first level of unbelief is I don't believe there's a God. That's the first hurdle, every single one of us. And according to statistics, there are one point. I think it's 1.3 billion Christian believers on planet Earth. We can't all be wrong. So out of those 1.3 billion people, the first obstacle we all overcame was, is there a God or isn't there? And we put our faith in a God that we can't see, but we knew who, who, who we knew we needed in our life. There was a God-shaped hole. There was something in our life that wasn't being fulfilled. And we said yes to God. And we, we acknowledged him as our Lord and Savior. He came into our heart and he began to transform the journey of our life. That's the first step of unbelief. The next one is the rest of your life. I, I doubt God will do that for me. You've got to then transform your thinking. To believe in that, yes, God will do that even for you, even for your life, even for your family, even for, for, for the circumstances that you're in. God will do it for me. You know, very often you hear people say, well, you're the pastor, you pray. I've got to hear your prayers. Hear, hear yours as well. Don't just throw it all on me, please. Thank you very much. He hears your prayers. I can't pray the, pray the prayer of salvation for you. That's you. If that saves you, then you have the power to pray for everything and anything that comes your way. Because God hears the prayers of his people. Now, he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Come on, church. Let's believe. Let's take off those limitations. Let's remove small thinking. Let's deal with that unbelief. And let's believe believingly let's be believing believers in our life mark 10 verse 27 says this and jesus looked at them intently and said humanly speaking but we're not talking humanly speaking are we we're talking about jesus we're talking about god jesus looked at them intently and said humanly speaking it is impossible but not with god don't you just love that? Oh, humanly speaking, it's impossible for a leopard 
to change its spots. Oh, it's impossible to teach an old dog new tricks. Oh, yes, impossible. But you know what? It's not impossible for God to save and to transform. Man may say, it's impossible. It can't be done. That can't be done. That can't be done. That never change. But God says, when man says that's impossible, hey, look at me. Everything is possible with God. Everything. That's why he can save from the lowest to the highest, from the guttermost to the uttermost. That's why there is nothing and no one that's too far gone for God to change and transform their journey and their life. And the final thought is this. Ephesians 3.20, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or imagine according to the power that now works in and lives in you or energizes us. There is no limit to God's power except the limits we put on ourselves. Can you imagine what your Christian life would look like? See, this is where I believe the New Testament church had a realization of the wonder and the might and the power of God because they weren't looking at themselves. Something, they'd been, they'd been walking with Jesus. They'd seen him. They'd handled him. They'd walked with him. They slept with him. They ate with him. They did journeys with him. They knew him. And then they saw him die before them. They thought he was going to defeat Rome, the Roman Empire. They thought he was going to usher in the new kingdom of God. They thought all these things. And then they saw him hang on a cross and die. And they all ran like headless chickens, not knowing what to do or where to go. And they hid in homes and, 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 and in caves and didn't know what to do next. But three days later, three days later, this same man that they saw die on the, upon the cross revealed himself to them. Those fearful, frightened, unbelieving individuals who thought they were walking with God now knew he was. And it totally changed their world. They walked with him, being all big and brash, and Peter turning around and said, Jesus... If they come for you, I will not run. And yet when they did, he was the first one off and running. But in that moment when Jesus came back and he revealed himself to the disciples, Peter was the one who just drew, withdrew from us to the side. And Jesus came walking to him and said, Peter, do you love me more than these? Peter. Do you love me more than these? Do you know what? He could have stopped at number two. But we know that Jesus, Peter denied Jesus three times. And on the third occasion, he came to Peter and he said, Peter, do you love me more than all these? I love the way that, that Jesus, Jesus restored relationship with Peter. Where Peter thought, I'm too far gone. I've denied him. I, I swore and cursed and said I never knew him in his moment of greatest need as he walked towards the cross. 
But that's the love of God, not only for Peter, but for every single one of us in this room today. He's wanting to either build a relationship with you for the first time or bring restoration for the very first time. Do you know what the first thing that Peter did when he became filled with the Holy Spirit? And when the church, the day of Pentecost, the day that the church started. Do you know what? I I believe there was such a joy in, in Peter's life. There was such an awareness of how big God was. And how amazing. And what God had now done. And when the Spirit of God came upon him, he knew that there was a transformation that took place on the inside. And the very first thing he did in that upper room, 120 disciples in that upper room, they said, we can't stay in this upper room. We've got to go out and tell. We've got to go and reveal the God who now lives in us to the world around us. And Peter, so full of gratitude, so full of thanksgiving, so full of who God was in his life, he went out and began to preach. Remember, Peter denied Jesus three times. Jesus restored Peter three times. And Peter went out and preached the gospel and saw 3,000 souls added to the church on one day. That's what the transformation does. He was denying Jesus. Then the power of God came upon him. And then he proclaimed Jesus. How amazing is that? How should we respond? If we know Jesus in this same way, omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent, if we really know him, we will really live for him. We will live in the wonder and the awe of who God really is. How should we respond? I guess, with overflowing joy and unceasing praise. Serving him all the days of our life. I've often thought, what would I do if I won 10 million? Uh, 10 million these days, I could buy a house and a decent car. Now, how about 100 million? You know, let's not be greedy, 100 million. You know, there's lots of 100 millionaires in the world. I'm not one of them, but if I won 100 million... Oh, I could, I, could, I could give up work. I could go fishing every day. I could do all the things that I want to do. But do you know what? A hundred million could not buy me. It couldn't remove me from this platform. It couldn't remove the call of God upon my life. I don't do this because I'm paid to. I do this because I'm passionate about who he is. I don't sit at home twiddling my fingers, typing out a message just for the sake of another message. I don't, I don't you know, go back through my, uh, I don't know, 10,000 messages and think, oh, I think I found one that I preached 10 years ago. No one remember that. The Bible says we need fresh manner. Fresh manner every day. That's what you need, and that's why you need the Word of God going in your heart. But every Sunday, as I deliver what I believe is the Word of God for you, let it be like fresh manner into your heart. I don't know what this series has done for you, but it's just really excited me. If you've not been here for every week, feel free to go and listen online at family.church. You can have a look on the website and click on gospel, then click on listen, and all the messages are there.
But what I would, what I would say in bringing this to a final conclusion, if you've never acknowledged Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if he's not seated on the throne of your heart, if you've not bent the knee in submission to him, then the eternal destiny of your life is to be absent from the body and to be not present with God in a place called hell. We don't often talk about hell, but it's a reality and it's a place. But we have however many years we have on this earth to acknowledge God, to acknowledge the work of the cross, to bow the knee and to humble ourselves before God, who's omnipotent, omniscient, and, and the other one, I forgot it. Omnipresent. He's here today, and nothing escapes him. He knows your heart, he knows your journey. And I have a responsibility, I believe, at every single meeting we do, to give people an opportunity to say, Yes, I accept, or Right, not right now, or I reject, I'm not going to do that. I believe I have a responsibility every single week. And most weeks we see a hand go up saying, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to give my life to him. I'm going to walk with him. And I'm not going to do something different just because we've done a dedication service. I'm going to do the same thing as I always do. And I'm going to pray a very simple prayer. I'm going to ask you to pray it alongside me and repeat after me these words. Why are we praying this prayer? The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus died at the cross, you will be saved. It's not about reading the whole Bible. It's not about doing Hail Marys. It's not about when you feel like you're good enough. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, and you will be saved. So I'm going to pray. You pray alongside, helping those that may be praying for the very first time. Jesus, I come to you and I thank you for the things that I've heard today. I choose to believe. I choose to receive what Jesus did at the cross. You took my place. You took my sin and wrong. And today I choose you as my Lord and Savior. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. While every head is bowed and every eye closed in this room, I want to give you an opportunity today to say yes to him, to receive Jesus, the omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent one into your life. I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to pop up your hand and then pop it back down. One, two, three. If you prayed that prayer sincerely in your heart, thank you, I see that hand. Is there anybody else in this room? You prayed that prayer, I see those two hands there. I'm so thankful that the children are in church today. Is there anybody else in this room? You say, yes, count me in. Because Jesus said that we all need to come to him like children. See that hand. Is there anybody else in this room? That's four people. Four people in this room who have said yes to Jesus today. 
I'm going to count down from five. Five, four, three, two. Is there anybody else in this room? I've got two more seconds. Thank you. It's five in this room. Two, one. Father, I thank you. Lord, you said there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. And Father, today I thank you that you have just welcomed five into your family. Lord, I pray you'll reveal your love, your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness. I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen each one with might and grace upon their life. I thank you, Lord, for the children who are beginning that journey, for the adult who's making that journey. Lord, I ask that you would seal them with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, that none of this world will be able to steal what decisions they've made this day in your house. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Come on, let's give God a hand. eh? God is so good. Now, if you're, a, if you're a child in this room and you made a decision for God today, please tell your mum, your dad, your parents, your carers, come and let me know. Um, just let them know because what you've done today is absolutely awesome. And um, for, for the adults that have made that decision as well, please make sure you speak to one of the team um, or see myself and we would, we've got something that we'd like to pass on to you. Absolutely brilliant. Um, we did say we'd finish at quarter two, so I'm over time by two minutes. That can't be bad. Uh, what we're going to do now, we're going to open the hatch, so we just need to move some of the chairs in that uh, where the hatch area is. Or are we outside? We're in. It's a bit cold outside, isn't it? Inside. Yeah, we're going to do it inside. If you bought picnic, feel free to have picnic. We're going to. This is about fellowship. Fellowshipping together. Um, make sure you chat with people that you're not familiar with. Make them feel really welcome. Um, and let's just enjoy the next uh, hour or so um, or whenever you need to go. Fantastic. God bless you all. Have a great week. Amen.